hello, welcome to After Shambles. Uh, I we've got um, uh, Josie Long, obviously. Hello. Who you had top billing for the first half of the series? Yeah, right, I've slip. actually now put you in a kind of uh, we're doing Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Oh, I saw. Which means because yeah. you know the way it works then. Yeah. Yeah, which is I'm on the right hand side higher up, but you're on the left hand side. Lower down, yeah. So I'm gonna give you top billing, Lady Jamman, Josie Long, and Robin Ince's utter shambles. So you get the first, but I say my name a bit louder, mm. which is the best method I could do. And we're joined by uh, Mark Gatis, or is Clive Anderson, uh the first time that I finally and I thought it's about time was when we did loose ends for a second time mm. and uh and you did go, Clive, it is it is Gatis. Yes. It's not not Gattis. And then again on with I think I was on with uh, <laughs> with with Jeremy uh, Dyson and and Andy Nyman, and uh, when we had Mark uh, Gattis on, that was Gatis. So everyone's working on this now. By I the know. way, what do I? I don't know what I should do. I mean, years ago I did actually think about changing my name for uh, for acting purposes. But it's got a lot of finesse as a name. The two S's it's look really nice. I don't know. But it was because my dad has always been so hot on it. My uncle George emigrated to Australia in the 50s and he stopped correcting people. So mm. my cousins in Australia are called Gattis because of that. When my dad found out, he was absolutely insane. Uh, so I suppose that's what it is. But it is difficult, really, because I do spend an awful lot of time correcting people. And I, and, and I like to think that it, it means it makes it memorable, but it doesn't, obviously. Well, let's try it. Let's, let's see which one works better. <laughs> I, I presume you'll probably be in something over the Christmas period. Uh, and uh, Mark Gattis is currently appearing oh. in Season's Greetings at the National Theatre. Right? Okay. Or you do the other version. Appearing at Season's Greetings at the National Theatre, we have Mr. Mark Gatis. Yeah, Mark Gatis. Yeah, no, Mark Gatis, definitely. That's what I would like after play for today. You and had a nice you see, voice. There's, also, there's a strange thing. Sometimes people say Gatis. I've had that. Or even Gartis, which is probably <laughs> what Craig Rebel Hall would say. Gartis. Now, before we get any further, though, Butch and Sundance, Towering Inferno, I want to, you know, in fact, make this into Jaws. Now, Shider, Shaw, and uh, Dreyfus. 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 It is Dreyfus. Is it? Yeah. Oh, he must spend his whole life. It's Dreyfus. Yeah, see, there we go. Do you know what? I don't think he's as bothered anymore. You know, once you play uh, in a, a sequel, uh, a remake rather, of Poseidon Adventure, <laughs> playing one of those really badly drawn characters. I play. He plays a really badly drawn character of a gay man who it just hasn't worked, and it's not good. I think you've given up going, yeah, just call me whatever you want, but please call me. I am available. <laughs> <laughs> the musical in the West End didn't go very well. Sorry, tearing but it they uh, did, uh, Jaws. Jaws, they had, a, they had the thing there about the three names because Newman, Redford, were, you know, first billing but slightly lower than or as you say so with jaws i don't know how they made how they made that work i just don't know but they did. but wasn't wasn't uh, dreyfus he was a he w wouldn't he wouldn't have been a star then would he he did the uh, have you ever seen the apprenticeship of uh doody crowitz that's the film that he turned down jo he turned down jaws because he was so confident about it and then he saw it and rang spielberg up and said please give me that shot <laughs> i've never seen it you've never seen it have you no, ever seen it no, no. It was on Guild Home Video, yeah. uh, as was the Ninth Configuration, which we'll also be talking about. I'm sorry, but it's going to have to happen. But it's it's uh, about a, a young kid, a uh, Jewish kid who's really going to make it. 
but it doesn't quite work out. And the best thing in it, as so often, it's a terrible thing, but it's Denim Elliott. It's always Denim Elliott. <laughs> um, and he plays a uh, kind of an experimental film director who uh, he, he basically, they get a uh, Richard Dreyfus, Doody Kraus, says, we can make money making uh, bar mitzvah video, video um, home movies and stuff, you know, make these things for people. And so they make a, a, a movie for someone of, and it's just filled with this kind of art house moments where they suddenly cut to strange tribal blood lettings and stuff wow. like that and there's a lovely scene where they just screen it to the family who aren't happy <laughs> now the ninth configuration have you seen that yes not for a long time but um god was that guild home video that was guild home video <laughs> yeah i have that on betamax and vhs that, that's how much i loved is it is that the gold wow. g on the yeah, side of the yeah. video cassette i know that when i, had I was a lad my friend david clegg had he had uh, the first video of anyone in my in that I knew at school, and we um, he had uh, on Betamax he had Monty Python and the Holy Grail, The Exorcist, and one other which I, eludes me. And we must have watched those films. I think at some stage, like every day, maybe twice a day, because of the, the sheer incredible novelty of being mm. able to do it. And you only and have maybe still, ten videos or something. Yeah, and I still remember the thrill of going to the video shop when we got our Betamax, as we did. My dad wanted to save ten pounds on buying it from bins, uh, and I was—I remember actually saying, "Please don't do this, Father." <laughs> VHS is the coming thing. Um, I remember going down to the video shop, and the first one we got out was an American Wealth in London. What an exciting wow. night that was! Yeah. See, that's my dad. The reason he got Betamax was um, that it's very much the future thing, Robin, because um, they've got fewer. Uh, d- didn't have, suppose, as many kind of rollers to go round in the tape, so the tape should last longer. And also, of course, the L750, uh, much better for films because that was three hours fifteen, not three hours. Um, anyway, because what's uh, incredible though <laughs> is he was right because beta beta tape is still used. It's the industry standard tape. It's just it would never caught on the way that VHS did mm. as is often the way the slightly poorer thing actually caught on because you can get a bit more of the uh... like iPhones yeah we've all been seduced by this the beautiful marketing and the beauty of the product compared to other ones I've got one have you I've got one but oh. compared to a lot of the other ones not nearly as good yeah I'm not really I, I, sorry Josie no no I'm, I, I don't have much this one is already starting to malfunction but it's just the best toy I've know, ever had it's the most wonderful thing in the world I, also, I have all fact check fact checking at all times mm-hmm. and too much do you, I, I check facts I don't I'm not interested in no but that's see because I had a conversation about this like how much it it ruins because somebody say, oh well it ruins that thing where you just speculate about whether that person was in that thing or not <laughs> no, no, no 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 it doesn't because then you go on IMDB and you're like Hang on, they were in this. Did you know they were in that? And then you find out, and it takes you much more interesting. The true danger, though, is that it becomes completely takes over from any form of human contact, mm. which I really do believe, as an old man, is becoming an incre- a proper danger now. It's depressing to see two, like a couple, yeah. sat next to each other on their phones when they could, in fact, be sitting at a restaurant, not talking to each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But <laughs> see, I it think there's be a beauty. Now, now, you mentioned that in in the history of horror you did you you kind of did say that i'm an old man a history of horror a history of horror uh, I think it was the history. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am prepared to change it. Mainly because we're similar enough in age to have experienced I, I love the fact that you had... Um, uh, guys, why are we even debating this? Because I could just check 
straight away. Okay, <laughs> can, can you find out how much um, House of Hammer magazine uh, okay. issue seven costs? Because mine oh. seems to have disappeared. Okay. I love the fact that you had. Uh, there's, there's a shot of you uh, next to a rack of House of Hammer, Halls of Hammer, or Hammer's House of Horrors, mm-hmm. a bit, well, all those well, different well, things. And uh, and obviously people tweeted you. I could see going going. Where's uh, that shop? Yeah, and you had. It's in LA. Hey. And you could hear Aww. heartbroken middle aged men I going, I shall never see twins of evil in comic strip <laughs> form again. Now, um, I want to something that we want to. Sorry, this is really all. I apologize for the fact this is going to be all over the shop today. It's a shambles. Uh, oh, I need I, to it is not a shambles, partly because I spent the most of the day with some particle physicists in Oxford. And I'm all confused. Uh, it was brilliant, Roger Penrose and that kind of. And now, now uh, I, I really wanted to deal with them. Uh, you haven't seen the ninth configuration. Mm. I'm trying to do an all dog version of Hamlet, and they send me a Labrador with a lisp I think is an approximation of one of the moments uh, McHugh there's a film McHugh, McHugh 1974 yeah. there I apologise um, for my by contrast today I went swimming in Tooting Bet Lido and it was nine degrees and it was really cold that's and that you, is why you, you, yeah. that's why you look so young yeah, <laughs> yeah just um, I, can I ask you my friend's uh, specific fan question yeah. and I sort of wanted to ask you about that because I like I love I love Doctor Who but in not in the manner of pro- which I know is the proper way that you're supposed to love Doctor Who in surprise I don't know every single episode no, I, I haven't seen everyone see that's better if you're I have this theory that if you're properly connected with the making of it then you shouldn't be one of the pro- but um, <laughs> but I'm but it must be very new having the sort of people that are super fans of the things that you're making and interacting with them because all the questions must be like there were three rivets on that gun and we thought there'd be four and could you please explain in detail why well you're absolutely right it's uh i think it's to me it's without being pejorative about it there is a huge difference between loving anything any program any concept any show and knowing it in such exhaustive detail that you suffocate it mm. To me, the, the one, the most wonderful, joyous thing about Doctor Who, right from the beginning, is just the idea is so great. You just want to say, I, I remember years ago before the show came back, and 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 all that stuff about you know about continuity, obsession, and all these things. And I've got the inner fanboy, we all love it. If you're a fan of Sherlock Holmes, we all love the detail. It's fun, but how wonderful it must have been to be. David Whittaker back in 1963 and a script lands on his desk from John Lucarotti and it's called The Poison Fire and it is the year five billion and the world is made of ice and you know it's just like all bets are off and actually now almost 50 years later to me the key to it even though there's there are continuity things that people are very keen on let's say shall we say if it gets in the way of the story fuck it yeah this is, I mean, this is a fantastic. It's a particular thing at the moment because Russell, has, Russell D. Davis has come back to write uh, the Matt Smith episode of, of the Sarah Jane Adventures, right? With Joe Grant, <laughs> uh, which in which the Doctor casually says that he can regenerate five hundred and seven times. Now, the the Doctor, uh, the, the, the Time Lords can only regenerate twelve times, so they have thirteen bodies. Yeah because it was established in in one story in 1976 called the deadly assassin right now that so that is holy writ now russell has changed the rules this absolute consternation however the same program doctor who has three different versions of the destruction of atlantis the master in the same in the deadly assassin has reached the end of his life and yet is now has been derek jacoby 
and John Sim yeah. and Eric Roberts. He's regenerated since. In The Five Doctors, the Time Lords offer the Master a complete new life cycle. All these things apparently, they're all right. Yeah. But this one thing is like impossible to change. Why How is that? How would you change this? Yeah, yeah. I've now completely contradicted what you said about me not By knowing, knowing everything. everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's, yeah. But it, yeah, it's when it becomes a faith system, I yes, suppose. Yes, is the, uh, yeah. But there was, um, well, there was um, Alan Moore, who's, who was on this uh, a while back, but uh, the other day was telling me about um, green covers of comics. Uh, that many years ago uh, in Marvel, there was someone did a, a green cover, uh, and Stan Lee went, That's awful, that, 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 this green cover. No, who's going to buy anything that's, that's green? No, 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 no. So for the next 15 years, never have a cover that's predominantly green that's, you must never have a cover that's predominantly green and one day an artist he's done, he's done such a good cover and he goes I'm going to take it to Stan I know it's, it's, I know it's a green cover but, and, and he went look I've done this cover and he goes brilliant that's fantastic he goes I know but it's green he goes what do you mean and it's, 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 it's green he went yeah and he goes well no we're not meant to do green covers he went well who said that and so for you know even yeah. something as large as Marvel Comics is there yeah. and I loved it the other thing he said which was great which was uh, the two the best images on the front comic and I don't know if you my this follows half of it my first ever issue of the comic Weird War which was generally it turned out the Nazis were gorillas or something like that and um, that is a weird war supposedly the first that this is what really sells a comic Angry Gorilla Angry gorilla on the front, right. maybe slightly kind of with a little bit more of a human edge, perhaps in a costume, an evil costume, an evil gorilla, an evil costume. And uh, then uh, is also someone weeping is the other thing, someone weeping. Uh, so weeping was gorilla, actually, you quids in. That was exactly <laughs> what I know. Yeah, he said weeping gorilla. That's the one. And I just thought that is... But I love all those rules that get invented yeah, and the, and the yeah. fan rules. And I think once, exactly as you said, once you get too caught up in that, there's a lovely thing Hal Hartley, the, um, the, the New York filmmaker, said once, I think during the making of his film Amateur, uh, where the continuity woman went, I think the tie that Martin Donovan's wearing now when he's just getting up off the cobbles, not sure it's the same one he was wearing when he fell out the window. And Hal Hartley went, well, do you know what? If they're noticing the tie, I've really made a mistake with this film. I haven't got it right. <laughs> and I think that's quite a good way of... Uh... Well, yeah, absolutely. I, th I think, um, back to Doctor Who, the the, um, the closed system... Oh, it's like physics now. The closed system of, of the show from 1963 to, 19, to 1989 the original run of Doctor Who mm. means that it's a completely ownable thing and 17 episodes of The Prisoner got it yeah. mine own it you can there are cracks in there where you can invent all the fan fiction you ever want but it's not an ongoing thing yeah. I, I know for a fact that some very died in the blood fans were panicked by Doctor Who coming back because it wasn't theirs anymore. Mm. Yeah. And of course, that's the most terrifying thing of all. And what people get now? the new opinions of it, yeah. the new bits. And, and in fact, one well, of the most joyous, joyous thing of all is is an ongoing thing. It's like, well, what might happen next? Who knows what's going to happen? Surrender yourself to it yeah. existing. Hang on, there was a, just one more on the prisoner, oh. just a few minutes the prisoner. <laughs> we were talking about the way that people. Because I always think the prisoner is one of those. I saw Mulholland Drive again the other day, the David Lynch film. And I think because it's a David Lynch film, people go, I mean, it's impenetrable. There's no way you can understand it. But actually, if you pull back a bit, you go, I don't think this is as difficult as you imagine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That you actually watch it and you go, there, there is a, a world of yeah, fantasy and then a world of truth, a dream and and the, the, but uh, and in the same way. Sorry, the reason was because with with the the prisoner they go, what's it mean? And the mask comes off and it's well maybe it means that when you can find out who number one is, you're number one. Well, I 
could be a no because and then they eventually there was someone I knew when I, I worked in a children's bookshop uh, what a surprising uh, career that was for me <laughs> and uh, and working and they would tell me these things go now if you really listen carefully to the beginning of The Prisoner the footsteps are at a different timing as he goes down the corridor and each opening just, they which is you know, they, the they've just got to... each one and that me well mm. no one is gonna it no, no no that didn't happen did you say no it doesn't yes no it doesn't mean that I, I said I don't think they are I think but, I think if they are maybe there's there might be a slight difference as you said because just of the way that it was brought the way it was recorded the way it was brought I was, I don't, I was talking to, to uh, the other day Betty Whittingale who is now the executive producer of Midsummer Murders and was the script uh, editor of I Claudius and Tinker Taylor and um, she was you know we we're having one of those conversations about about the old days and uh, I've been watching Tinker Taylor, which is fantastic and very, very difficult. My God, it demands a lot of you. You know, it, it's very hard to keep all those balls in the air. But the, the um, and we were talking about how credits are now squeezed, you know, and uh, you can't read them. They, mm. they might as well not put them on because it's impossible to read. Oh, they fly by. And I was saying, God, the credits on Tinker Taylor. She just said, oh, well, we were three minutes under, darling. <laughs> I mean, because they absolutely crawl, and that's yeah. what it, you go. God, that is slow, <laughs> but that's what it was. Purely practical, as all these things always are. The idea that someone, that Patrick McGowan, in 1967, was was working out how those footsteps, you know, yeah. if there's any difference, which there probably isn't, it'll just be an, a fault. Yeah. But then I do like like there's nothing better like in my shows. Sometimes I deliberately write a few things that I know people won't laugh at but that I know if they come twice yeah, they'll like yeah. it and like there is nothing better than little extra yeah. easter eggs and details story like, arc, of, isn't it? League of Gentlemen when I first watched that what I loved so much was uh, in the beginning the scenes with how many little visual jokes there were in there and it was like you wouldn't see them all in the first mm. one necessarily and then well, you just think about attention to detail that was always a, de a deliberate thing because we wanted to reward repeated viewing and you do that as a fan yourself you want to, you know if you've missed something I'll never forget there was, there's a little running thing in the first series of the league with newspaper hoardings um, uh, Ed Stewart's breath stinks <laughs> Mike Reed has beautiful breath, uh, and that's from the very famous document, famous to us, famous documentary. Uh, I'm your number one fan, which showcased Blue Tulip Rose Reed, Mike Reed, the DJ's uh, biggest fan. I went down there, classic FM, or the prison, <laughs> as I know it. It's Stuart, come out. It's Stuart's breath. Stink. <laughs> and Mike Reed has beautiful breath. And, and I remember what. Can I just say that it's the best impersonation? <laughs> and I actually have heard a few. <laughs> I remember about three years later walking through Soho with Reese, and this bloke ran up to us and just went, Blue Tulip Rose Reed! And it was like the only time anyone had ever spotted it. It was, it was a miracle. It was brilliant. It's it is one. Have you seen that documentary? No, I haven't. It's oh. a bit like. It what? almost so reminds me of the stalker. first time I saw Grey Gardens, which is now quite. But I saw it when I was about. 11 or 12 years old yeah. was on very late at night you thought you were the only one didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> and you just go you go what is this magical yeah. thing yeah. that bit yeah. like seeing David Lynch and Mark Frost series on the air which again was jettisoned throughout one in the morning a bizarre sitcom created by Lynch and Frost it's oh, not necessarily wow. a huge success but it certainly is worth mm. placing in yeah, some art gallery fun. or other it's, it's, it's like you've woken up and, and you're still in a dream isn't it yeah yeah, but um, I want to ask you my question. That, that, the, oh yeah, sorry, that, you can't forget. It's, it's on your, your phone. No, I know. But, but yeah, blue tulip rosary. Yeah, no, the, the other, but the other thing, the brilliant, like all these things, that she was the standout. It was about stalkers. It was a bit about um, Stephen Hendry or Jimmy White being stalked or something. And blue tulip got all the headlines because yeah. she was, I mean, she was on the X. She was on Britain's Got Talent. Really, doing her barking song, 
um, she was you know very very disturbed and it, but it was full of gold she she um she had this t-shirt made will you marry me might read and and they followed her down to the t-shirt shop do you remember and um and uh the guy said do you want what do you want on it will you marry me might read uh, and uh, what's your name could I have your name please yes mrs might read and uh and the guy just went well oh, i thought he was gay and she goes hey 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 nobody calls him gay nobody and she just burst into tears it's devastating but the other one on it to me in that way of now being less obvious to me is more cherishable there is a mad german on called klaus i think who was obsessed with uh, princess diana and the royal family and the fact that they were all um lizards from space and um the the, the queen herself was the beast and uh, this big thing about you can you can find you can look at a five pound note and you can see all the cl all the clues are there because oh, yeah. the, the queen has those curls which look like 666 and of all course. these things and there's a fantastic bit in the documentary where he's explained the whole thing with the fiver he's sitting outside Buckingham Palace on the Victoria Monument and he sits back and says oh, such a lovely day and still the beast is on the swan <laughs> <laughs> just beautiful couldn't make it up your question sorry um, okay now my question is from my friend Nat Metcalf who works in Gosh Comics? Do you oh, ever go oh, in Gosh no, Comics? Yeah, no, I oh. don't like. I'm not a comics fan. Oh no! What's it? No, like Josie will have to cover up somehow, but it doesn't matter. Really Actually, when we're not, well, I'm not. You're probably the biggest comic fan. Uh. Yeah. I'm not like a. Do you not? Are you not? I don't. You, well, you're probably not, no, not anti. I just don't. I don't no. Do you know there's one called that I would recommend to you called There's No Time Like the Present, which is about a thing called the Ultranet, uh, where you can internet? see the future. <laughs> it's, um, but everyone can travel through time on the. No, mm. everyone can see all of the future on the Ultranet, so it kind of ruins everything because people know their futures it's like the internet. and they know. <laughs> and um. Uh, this guy comes back with this horn. It's really good. It's by a guy called Paul B. Rayner. I'm sure. It, I've just. It's weird. I've never. Um, even when I was a kid, I used to get you know action and um, valiant and, and those ones. But I, I was never. I didn't like it when Victor very, got together with action. That was certain. Mm. No, Shiver and Shake got together with action. Shiver and Shake was my comic. But I never, I never really went for it, and and I never have. I've, there's a few I've read over the years, like Killing Joke, and there's a brilliant one about Superman called Red Sun. God, I would have oh. thought that you'd like um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And I've read that. Okay. I thought it's, it's beautifully written, but it's, I don't know. It's just never got me. Um, now, <clears throat> your sorry, question. I have a question for you from Nat Metcalf, who works at Gosh Comics. He's really brilliant. We, I, I do a club where people have to do um, uh, presentations about someone they feel is an unsung hero or something they feel is like obscure. And he's the resident. I get him to come down every month because the worst, the, the first one we did, he did a presentation about Anthony Newley that was just so exciting and fantastic. <laughs> and he has this stance when he's on stage where he kind of leans back as if he's like resting his belly. And he's really great. And he um, he also... His piece about Danny fun... Dyer being on the cover of Attitude magazine was brilliant. Yes. He did this whole thing about Danny Dyer was on the cover of Attitude. And, and, and someone interviewed him and went, well, Danny, you know, what about you? mates you know what what do they think and Danny Dale went, well, well I won't tell them what's in the shops Danny they, they, actually, <laughs> no, but no one will know uh, <laughs> brilliant he, um, uh, he very... did a thing about um, what was he oh bollocks I interrupted and then I've forgotten the thing I was going to will you ask a question. question sorry <laughs> <laughs> he did a but I wanted to say what he did a presentation on because it was really good and really oh 
Can it's I just say, this <laughs> show hasn't lived up to its name for most of this series. It's Thank God in the final one, this has been an absolute <laughs> bloody shambles. He did a presentation about how he was one of the first people to make a fan website. or He was, he was an early adopter of fan sites. Mm. And he made a fan site to Deep Roy. <gasps> Mr. Sin. Yes, and... It was he got loads of responses from Deep Roy's extended family, and he got like into this massive, wow. uh, massive. Uh, Did he? He got into Deep. <laughs> yeah, what about from Deep himself? Roy. No, Deep, always yeah. elusive. Yeah. Deep well, cousin, sure. Yeah. So he'd, anyway, he'd been smoking pipe of poppy. <laughs> <laughs> he would like to know. Is the Gollum character in the last episode of Sherlock All in Capitals a reference to the Creeper character who appears in the Basil Rathbone Sherlock Holmes film The Pearl of Death? The Golem? <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, he'll be very pleased with that. So a Rondo Hatton reference? Yeah, yeah, God, that's yes. Not well, enough. Now, that's the, a, the, um, the complete inspiration for Sherlock's re, uh, reimagining from Stephen Moffat and myself were the Rathbone and Bruce films because uh, they uh, we we were on a train to Cardiff. This is already legend, like Holmes and Watson. <laughs> we were often on trains to Cardiff for Doctor Who, and we ended up talking about Sherlock Holmes and how much we loved it. And we sort of did a little dance around admitting that our favourites were not only with the Rathbone and Bruce films, but the ones that they were in the Second World War where they fought the Nazis, because they actually they're shockingly. Uh, irreverent to the canon but they actually are more like I think we think the the spirit nice. of the original stories than than some of the most faithful recreations and we're back it's the same thing a faithful recreation is as dry as dust it's got sometimes. the spirit of it the spirit of it yeah, yeah. that's so, what I really loved about it this time and oh Benedict Cumberbatch is such a versatile actor he's so versatile like you see you know you see him in atonement and then you see him in that he's so versatile fiddling with kiddies fiddling with crime so he you can know? do fiddling whatever oh, you want. No, I still haven't got round to seeing That's Atonement, brilliant. but I think something's just been given away. <laughs> no, that was Hawking. Um, oh. oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I haven't got round to it yet. It's my own fault, isn't it, to be not, honest? No, listen to me. Um, Atonement is so good. Okay. So good. Am I, I'm not wrong in that opinion, no, am I? it's wonderful. It's brilliant. But, uh, you know, it. It, and, and therefore, yes, the, the Hoxton Creeper, played by Rondo Hatton, in the wonderful Pearl of Death, complete inspiration for the Golem, in, uh, in he'll be so pleased he'll be sitting back with such a broad smile on his face hands on the bottom of his back but I was um, something that we had a brief every now and again I, I get and we always end up talking what about Twitter on this show briefly but I remember one evening we were talking about J. Carroll Nash and, Nash and various other people oh. and uh, I then recommended the uh, Asylum which is uh, one I think one of the best I think you also one of the, one of the best in the, the Amicus yes, series yes well the uh, the Otto the Taylor's Dummy story I love that one and um, yeah, genuinely yeah. very, very creepy. The, 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 in fact, most of them, I, I think in that because every now and again, uh, the annoying thing with some of those portmanteau horror films is, apart from Dead of Night, which has a wonderful comic one uh, with Basil Radford and Norton Wayne, they have a comic one. You go, this has ruined it. Mm. Uh, Monster Club, uh, which well, has various things terrible. that go slightly wrong. Well, it's got <laughs> the Shadmock story, this Shaddy Shad and Mocky. Maddie, and then yeah. a yeah. Muck. That's yeah. a polite word for a mongrel um, I hate the fact that I've waited so much when my brain was absorbent what does it have in there a complete record of the, the comic strip for, oh man yeah but what happened was but when the I was... comic story sorry the comic story no, in From Beyond the Grave 
the Ian Carmichael one I think is excellent that's when that's my favorite that's a wonderful film I think it's a, it's a class of above all the others I think it's the most frightening one From Beyond the Grave has the most terrifying uh, Ian Bannon Donald Pleasance and Angela Pleasance Uh, all I can say is you will never be so scared by a figurine on the top of a cake Hang on, what's it's terrifying. The, name of this film? Uh, the cake that ate people. Oh, uh, no, it's called From Beyond the Grave. And uh, but Asylum. The reason I bring that up is yes. I, I watched it uh, a couple of weeks ago. Roy Wood Baker, the the incredible director who, who you, you interviewed, and mm-hmm. uh, and not only made a night to remember many horror films, incredible career in television. But Asylum has a commentary, and it has the best commentary I've. Uh, it's him and the I can't remember which camera operator it was but one of the camera operators on it and um, I don't know I was going to ask each of you your favourite commentary ever because what I love about it is uh, it's obviously got someone there go oh, I'm joined by Roy Wood Baker and uh, I forget the name Mark Binney I think it was, it, it, uh, not Mark Binney because he's from Sing Detective That's but right. not, not far off <laughs> Mark Binney uh, what do you think Mark I think the teacher's a scarecrow we've got the wrong Binney but anyway <laughs> the um, they just this lovely commentary which is too in depth and too technical which I therefore can really enjoy even though I don't say <laughs> now I don't know if you remember this Roy but lighting that door was very difficult lighting wood is actually tremendously difficult to do <laughs> and you so you end up with five minutes where in the background there's tremendous horror going on and suspense with Robert yes, Powell yes, and Jeffrey yes. Belden but in the foreground of noise <laughs> is someone going now if you've ever had to light something as night under a skylight any camera operator <laughs> will know <laughs> and so I, I highly recommend version. I don't know which version of Asylum I've got I, he, there was a big fuss that made this week about Night of the Demon finally coming out on DVD mm. but I've had it for several years because it's an American one but you know that suddenly there's a fuss made but my version of Asylum I don't know where I got that from so it might not be the same one but I hope it is because I want to listen to that well, it's my a, I, favourite I think I think it's On the Devil Rides Out Christopher Lee had only done a, a couple of them and the moderator is asking him a question and he goes shush this is important <laughs> and they just sit and listen to it <laughs> which of course is not the idea of the commentary which is to keep talking no matter what <laughs> shh this is important the goat of Mendes Tell me. the devil himself <laughs> <laughs> there is have you, I can't remember which DVD or even if it's the, someone did a series about Christopher Lee in which they obviously filmed him in his flat uh, because there was no space and every now and again he'd go now let me show you how you do the sword fighting and he would stand up and start to demonstrate different and I, oh. I can't remember what um because he's quite an interesting... Were you ever... I presume you decided uh, on The History of Horror that you did not to uh, interview him because... No, he'd be he, he said or? no. Really? He said no. Uh, Why? Well, God bless him. Uh, he, he, uh, he's a legend, and I've met him a couple of times. He was, I had tea with him once, and he, one of the wonderful things he said to me was, uh, "Never. I, have you ever had a photograph taken in your own home? Never do it. It is an invitation to burglary. <laughs> um, but uh, he's he's a legend. He's eighty-eight, I think. Now he's yeah. made okay, more films enough. than any living actor. But he's, he is going through one of his periodic "I have never made a horror film" moods, and it was of no interest to him. Uh, but in a way, it w- in, it ended up being, I think, good for the program because mm. obviously Peter Cushing's gone, Vincent Price has gone, and in a funny way, he's so. Uh, monolithic he he would I don't know it would have taken up an 
a lot of episode two yeah. to do him justice. So you can just have him in for a minute. Well, going, yeah, yes, it was. Yes. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I th- I think you're right. I think having people like Roy Ward Baker, I actually was quite pleased. And there is sorry, we mentioned Vincent Price now. The other day I was talking to someone about screen deaths where you go, they can't die. And I remember, for instance, in uh, the, the Untouchables when Sean Connery. Now, obviously, Vince Price has died many, many times. But his death in Edward Scissorhands. Oh, I was just about to say, uh, it's yeah. the saddest thing in the his world. His final screen death. Oh, yeah, slow. that was it, I think. Because mm. yeah. didn't he die during the making? He died about. He died very shortly afterwards. Right. I he, think by the time he, he came out here... he. He just goes, doesn't he? The yeah, light. and you yeah. just see the hands just slowly. Oh, so oh God! Oh, don't. Yeah, I mean that's one of the one of the sad things about wonderful things, sad things about doing that documentary series. Inevitably, was um, talking. I mean, two two people have died since we made it: Gloria Stewart and and Roy Wall Baker. And uh, and I did the last interviews, which is an amazing thought, really. But but also, um, there the, there's so much I had to leave out, and it kills me. Um, it's it's funny, and there's one of the things about Twitter. Um, you feel like you've made a definitive statement, but there is no such thing. Mm. So I have now said I think about ten times. The reason Nosferatu is not in the series is because you have to start somewhere, you have to finish somewhere. I made a decision to start in Hollywood with Phantom of the Opera and finish at Halloween because it's a natural stopping off point. Then the slasher movie came, and, and supernatural horror kind of went into abeyance. I've said this every day. Where's Nosferatu? Yeah. And it's now starting to drive me mad. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I think it's acceptable in your thing. But can I just say now that the Guardians last week their supplements on the top twenty-five films or whatever in different <laughs> genres. Now I'm going to ask the both of you this, and then I want to hear your favourite commentary. By the way, on a DVD. That's not forgotten, but, Josie. Uh, the Godfather I do not consider to have been uh, to be right to put in an art house list. Is it? Was that? Yeah, they put the Godfather in there. Ludicrous. Yeah. It's one of the most check. popular and successful films ever made. Why would you do that? The horror list was all right. What is, by the way, you say what you had to leave out. Now, obviously, I when I was watching it, uh, there were many things. And at no point did I think, because I always thought, you just can't fit everything in. Having Mystery of the Wax Museum, I think, is one of the best things that you had because, mm. uh, one, the again, words that we don't hear enough are Lionel Atwell. And... Uh, <laughs> And seeing, I'm so um, gutted. I, I feel like an idiot because I haven't yet seen it. And I've been looking I had to catch it. I couldn't Come find on. anywhere with the right. Uh, we're both on tour. I, yeah. I, I play it. I play it. Yeah. But it was. I'm, really, um, I'm so looking forward to it. Mystery of Wax Museum, which I'm, I, I believe is the extra on House of Wax, the Vince Price one. You can get hold of it. Have you ever is seen? There was yeah, a yeah. film called Erotic House of Wax, which is like a B <laughs> yeah. movie, and the main character is called Josie, and that's why I made that one film. of the reasons. Uh, it's a very good film. Yeah. <laughs> oh. If it what came out of that is... idea, uh, when you make a when you make a waxwork, there's always a bit left over. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> but it's, what happens is, like ju- she's very uptight. She inherits, as people often do, a wax museum. A wax museum. <laughs> yeah, I got. One. And of course, what happens is it's a sexy wax museum. When the, when the lights go off at night, ooh, 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 the uh, exhibits get it on. Fascinating. And then she bloody takes a ponytail out. Turns mm. out she was. Uh, Sexy all along. That's whereas if it was Rod Serling in the <laughs> Twilight Zone, That's you would discover point. that she was one of the wax. Yeah, she was all, all along. Submitted for your approval. <laughs> now that is still now that's the things people could remake now what again. Are you going to ask uh, Mystery of Wax Museum, uh, which I highly recommend to everyone, by the way. It has. It must. Was it before the Hayes Code? I presume it must have been because yeah, it's yeah, yeah. very uh, gory. But Josie, you have a question. Ask, is that one with Paris Hilton a remake of it? Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, but it's Loose. an entirely <laughs> different film. It's it's a little bit like when they did the uh, haunting again, and you know those. <gasps> t- 
That was the correct reaction, by the way. Nothing more need be said. And, uh, are you a fan of The Mist? That was a recommendation oh, we had earlier on. Mm, mm. Talking of modern horror, because yeah, Toby yeah, yeah. Jones, yeah, come yeah, yeah. on! I do agree yeah. with you that uh, the. I'm sorry, by the way, we've mainly talked about this, but it's because this, even this conversation, I it's think Halloween is nearly Halloween. But, uh, the uh, d- I agree that there is a certain point where there is a, an artlessness in horror movies, but that doesn't mean that uh, there aren't good films being exactly. made. But you're right, there are not. Now, The Mist. Is I'm sure we've talked about this on here before, but I should not have watched that on New Year's Day. What a terrible start to the year! I mean, a brilliant film, but oh, that and the road put together. Oh, oh man, the mist, the road. The yeah. Oh, spoiler alert! The cars. Can you say spoiler spoiler alert, and then you can put that in before I say the bit where they find the cannibals? <laughs> I'm always doing that. Yeah. Good good moment. Though um, no, I was going to say because to give you the chance to uh, things that you really the hardest things that you found in making that series of going I why oh, I've just we can't cut this down to an hour or even the realization that you couldn't even go as far as talk about it in the first place. Uh, what are your your main films that you? I was I felt bad about not doing anything on the Wolfman, which is a rather lovely film, and the, we we oh god the things we had to leave out. There's a fabulous interview with Lon Chaney Jr. about a year before he died, which is amazing, 1967, and he's just living in L.A. and interviewed by the BBC, and he's just going, "I was born dead. I was born dead," because he was. And they had a black face. He was dead, and they revived him. It was, it's amazing. All this wonderful footage couldn't put in. Um, I sound about that, but I think the first one. I think because I did a bit of a number on Son of Frankenstein, which I love, I felt very happy about that. Probably mostly in the second one, just because it's so. There's so many. It kills me not to have the Devil Rides out, mm. which I is my favourite Hammer. Brides of Dracula, the first horror film I ever saw. We couldn't do. Couldn't get. We, Weirdly, was shown after it, but we couldn't do it because the, the the clips are too expensive. And I did. I had a story about Revenge of Frankenstein, so that was difficult. Kills me not to have Theatre of Blood, yeah, uh, which yeah. is a wonderful. It's a it's a masterpiece, and also that whole Fibes revengey kind of early seventies film. I adore those. Um, Carry on screaming, equally mm. huge influence on me, and 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 a really good successful comedy horror film. Mm. Uh, and then in the third one. Uh, well, I think I th- again. I think we we I think we cover the base as well there, and it's um, it's good. It feels good to spend less time on The Exorcist and and champion mm. something like The Omen, which again is a personal favorite. So I think it's in the middle where there's just which really is the the boom time. That's the difficult thing. There are so many films. Scream and Scream again. It's a curious film. Oh um, yeah, yeah, that is a um, and uh, how screams! I always get confused between that and Madhouse. That's the one where uh, the limb removal. Yeah, and the, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's like an episode. That, of yeah, the first time you see that utterly the, um, bizarre film. Uh, now there was one thing. Hang on, on now one thing I was very glad was uh, that you did cover because I hadn't seen this until I got the box set of Hammer. I'd never got around to seeing Horror Frankenstein. How lovely it was to see the writer and director Jimmy Sanks just saying, "I made a terrible mistake." <laughs> <laughs> I just I said I'll do it if I can direct it. There it, is. It, I mean, it's it a truly. Is, is so it the worst Hammer? That and Scars of Dracula, I think. Which are both in the box set. Um, Some right old rubbish. Yeah. Is the anniversary of Hammer film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As that is, is as are the and the buses films. Yeah, of course. But then, as is the nanny. Yeah. So you know, it all yeah. goes. I am. Um, I feel very like odd in these conversations because I really loved horror films as a child, but the films that I had access to were like 1980s American mm. kind of schlocky things. So it's sort of 
again, it's like what we were talking about. I feel like I've got like a pale comparison version. Your generation had a terrible big, decade. Like, you we know, were so clowns lucky. from outer space. Do you that. think, I, I have I, a the thing about films. the 80s in that I, I genuinely think, and I'm not just saying this because of, cause, cause of the, the genius of the 70s as a, as a filmmaking era, because it was incredible, I think. Mainstream, married with absolute cynicism. The Long Goodbye. Great, Watch that again the other day. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, you know, all those you know things like the Conversation and and Marathon Man. All these big popular hits are actually just brilliant films. Brilliant. Um, but the eighties to me, with, with very few exceptions, I think most of the films made in that era are, are unwatchable. <laughs> A lot of the really big films, like The Goonies and stuff like yeah, that, yeah. I I can't bear them Th- those I, I don't I agree hits. I don't think it's actually about going oh that one because that, even that's our that's our year um, but certainly they find a pirate ship I, I, people I, really I, think they find a pirate ship the, uh, <laughs> you should have mentioned Vampire Circus by the way uh, see I can't though great, I couldn't do it all Robin. great comic strip <laughs> but anyway I, oh, we've run out of time so all I can I'm sorry I'm going to put a warning by the way before this one and just say uh, if you're not interested in the following subject well one you're an idiot but uh, two this is uh, this is the start of a series Look, you've got to stay by the way uh, and we're just going to keep going until I'm going to be doing the Geek at the Bloomsbury Theatre at 9.30 but I don't care so my final words are Josie Long thank you very much thanks for having me it's hopefully we're going to do some more um, specials and stuff like that of, of this this is officially the end of this one and my oh, final that's... words to you Mark if I may say is Meredith married you this is your dish <laughs> you may respond in any way you wish dishy dishy hair <laughs> oh, that's... I feel I feel very uh, lucky to have stowed away into this podcast. Stayed awake. Stowed away. <laughs> no, stowed away. Stowed oh, away. Best blue tulip impression ever. Stayed awake. You've been listening to uh, Josie and Robin's Utter Shambles, brought to you by Comedy Central. This podcast was edited by Mike Pell and produced by Adrian McKinder. For more podcasts and other stuff, go to comedycentral.co.uk. I made this. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>